John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. Hey, we'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. And guess what? Isotope offers one free month of Music Production Suite Pro, which has all the tools you need to mix, master, and repair audio. Also, you can get 10% off all other software using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All of this is at isotope.com, I-Z-O-T-O-P-E.com. Hi, this is Edward Allen Peterson. And this, Ed, is John Frederick Kiltica. I actually wasn't sure what the F was. Generally, when we talk, you're JFK a lot of times. Frederick, okay. Yeah. Good. Fred. Al. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Al and Fred show. Yeah. Ugh. Some boomer sounding names. Yeah. You know? You could see where our parents' heads were at. Yeah, yeah. Hey, John. Yeah. This is the High Game Podcast. It is. We talk about guitars. We do. We talk about grandpa guitars very, very occasionally. Yes. Acoustic-y kind of things. Yes. This one is like... Hybrid-y. This is like grandpa slacker yeah. guitar. You know, I said your vocal delivery is like slackery. Yeah. I don't know that you took offense, but you were like, uh, you know. No, I thought that was cool. Okay. If I remember correctly. Yeah. You said drawl. Oh, it was the drawl part. It's slackery. And someone sent us an email. And they said on the song that released a couple weeks ago, you had a Jay Massis delivery. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. I mean, I'll take it shit. If somebody yeah. wants to compare me to Jay Mascus, all right. Yep. Thank you. I'm with him. Like, you don't sound like Jay. You don't sound like Stephen Malkmus necessarily. But you're in this camp of vocal deliveries that I love. When I first started learning how to sing, I think probably like a lot of people, you kind of listen to the people you listen to and try to sing like them. Yep. It took me a long time to kind of remove all that. Yeah. To get to a place where I thought it sounded like just me. Yeah. I love Robert Pollard and Guided by Voices. They are in my top favorite bands of all time. Yeah, me too. Love him. And you cannot listen to Robert Pollard's delivery and not get The Who. Uh -huh. He clearly grew up listening to that kind of Who-style arena rock. And you watch him live. He does the whole mic swing and catches the mic. <laughs> and it's not like he's adultery 
cover act. He's a big dalt head. We all are. Super dalty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't get Joe Jackson or Elvis Costello from your vocal delivery. I feel like those are probably some of the kind of influences you went out of your way to remove. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Where are we, John? Where are we recording? We are in beautiful West Seattle, Ed. As intros go, it was a little meandering. That's we okay. kind of took a twisty path, but I feel like, hey, guess what? What? This is our show. We do whatever we want. And guess what else? What? I have a kind of flat affect delivery thing for you. Do you? Requested by you, Ed. Requested by me. I want to hold the hand inside you. Ed. Yeah. That comes via request from our own Ed Peterson. Ed Peterson throwing that out there this morning. I don't know that I'm a big Mazzy Starhead. Exactly. Uh -huh. Starhead. Yeah. To the point that I think I could identify one Mazzy Star song, but I am kind of obsessed with that song recently. Faded to You, Mazzy Star. That was yeah. about 1995 or so. Okay. And it was probably their biggest hit. Sure. What are you drinking, Ed? I got a cup of coffee yeah. here in a crow mug. I've got a big bottle of water, and I have one of my Ed's favorite juices. <sighs> yep, it's pretty green. It's got a lot of spinach in it today. Hitting the fiber pretty hard, but it's also lemon, pear, apple, ginger with about a bushel of spinach. We need a way to measure this, Ed. Yeah? The vitamins or the antioxidants or whatever's in whatever flavor you have that right. day, you say that you're invincible? Sure, sure. I'm strong. So where is this on the beverage strength omometer? Between the caffeine and the natural sugar, uh -huh. I get pretty jacked up. The natural jack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What about you? What do you got? I, too, have coffee, of course. I went Scandinavian today. Oh. This is solo. Okay. All it says on the label is solo. Yeah. Literally, it is one word, nothing else. I love it. Nice and plain, nice and simple. That's that Scandinavian design. Yeah, exactly. This comes from... Oslo, Norway. It is an orange beverage drink. I don't even know if it's carbonated or anything. I feel like if it's Norwegian, it probably has some, like, boiled fish in it. Probably. Yeah. I would say it's lightly carbonated. Okay. And with the most subtle hint of boiled fish. Okay. Okay. Perfect. It looks like an orange soda. Original in Sedan, 1934. Pre-war. Yeah. We love that. And all the ingredients are in Norwegian, so I can't tell you what any of that is. Where'd you get that? Monica has been picking a wonderful variety of beverages for me. Sure. 
She got that at the Scandinavian store in Ballard. No kidding. Attention Scandinavian people listening to this. Yes. We have a neighborhood here in Seattle that is historically populated by primarily Scandinavian people. Ballard's a cool little neighborhood. Yeah. I've never done one of those 23andMe bangers. I haven't either. Because I don't really want the man knowing my shit. Yeah. I have never murdered anyone. I can state that as just a fact. Okay? Yeah. But, you know, I like to keep my options open. And if you if you go <laughs> dropping your DNA and just, like, giving it to whatever corporate entity, down the road, that's never going to bite you. This is a Martin, Ed. A uh, Martin D28, it looks like. This is a Martin D28E. E for Ed. That's right. Yeah. How does this come about and why do we care? You mean the E for electric because I'm looking at this Martin and the thing that jumps out at me, there's two really, really cool brushed aluminum, it looks like, pickup covers. Uh, These pickup covers were gold-plated. Oh. But this guitar is 1959. Okay. So a lot of that is pitted and tarnished and worn away. It's beat. I don't see much gold from my angle. There is not a lot left. Yeah. And then there's four big birthday cakey knobs, whatever those are called. Yeah, there's a tone and volume for each pickup. The neck and one in the bridge, these are Diarmond Dinosonics. Okay. Interesting, on the pole banger tip, they've got the six pole bangers you can see, but then there's additional bangers in there. Yeah, there's six... Sub bangers. Magnets, and then six screws that are supposed to be adjustable. Oh, I see what those are. I'm kind of dubious about that. Really? I don't know if I would even touch them if I had this guitar. Oh, at this stage, yeah. Leave those where they are. Yeah. That guitar is rad. I should mention for the viewers ahead of time that somebody has strung this guitar with flat wounds. Mm -hmm. Before we get into the sound of it, though, Ed, let me set the context for you. 1959. 1959. We're going into the Wayback Machine. Uh Uh-huh. Putting pickups on acoustics isn't really anything new. Mm -hmm. A lot of manufacturers had been putting pickups into the jazz boxes we know about since the 30s. I'm sure you could go back and find a shit ton of documentation of blues players with some shitty pickup just like drilled into the body of the acoustic. Of course. You know. Post-World War II. Yeah. One Leo Fender. Uh Uh-huh. Took a Martin Triple O 18, cut a hole in it, and he dropped a lap steel pickup into it. Okay. To see what would happen. Okay. One of the big horseshoe <laughs> banger, like a heavy duty. Something similar. Yeah. Something, in any event, not meant to be put into an acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah. I think when you look at this, those pickup covers are doing a job of like bracing the pickup to the body. There is a lot of real estate on the cover that I feel like is just supporting the fact that there's nothing to glue it to. Mm-hmm. So it's straight up like screwed onto the body. Yeah, and underneath the meat of the pickup itself is yeah. just a hole. Right. It was in the 50s that things begin to accelerate. Rock and roll. Love it. Folk. Okay. 
people are beginning to think we don't want to get left out of the electric thing, but acoustic guitars like Dreadnought types are still so popular. What are we going to do? Martin was not first to the game. Okay. It was Gibson. Yeah. In 1954, they come out with the J160E. Mm-hmm. And it is a lot more elegant in terms of design than this Martin. They hide a P90 underneath the top of the guitar at the end of the neck. Big old fat P90 under there. And then on top of the guitar, they put a cosmetic plate that looks like a little tiny single coil. Exactly. But it's not. It's yeah. just hiding the big old P90 underneath the top. But there's one pickup. This has two. Right. You know, they are not hiding what's going on with this thing because there's some big old knobs on this. And, <laughs> yeah, that's but true. You can go all the way back to October of 2019. Whoa. Episode 74 of The High Gain and listen to Al and Fred talk about the J160E. I bet we did a great job. Probably. Wow, I'm looking at the description here. The 160E was the first acoustic we ever did on the show. Was it? Yeah. First grandpa guitar. Exactly. The folk game was in full force in 54. Yeah. They're adding just that sonic variation of give me some electric sounds that you just can't get. Gibson... They're the only game in town. Yeah, as far as the Dreadnought is concerned. Yeah. So by 59, Rock is coming. Like, Rock is here. Yeah. So I'm sure Martin felt like, we got to do something. And it kind of worked against their interests to some degree, because by 59, not only was Rock and Roll here, but the D28 had ensconced itself in kind of singer-songwriter, folk, country music as the guitar to have. Right. That's the one you wanted. Yep. So maybe they underestimated how much those people were going to think this was a dumb idea to put these pickups in it. Because that is what happened. Those people were dumb. Martin had a great idea. Not into this. Not into it. For a couple reasons. One is sonically. Yeah. These pickups clamp down on the top. Yep. And these knobs are beefy, and so it prevents the kind of flexing of the top that you want from a nice acoustic. Yeah. So as an acoustic, people are thinking, well, it doesn't really sound like a good acoustic anymore. Right. Secondly, were the electronics themselves. These Gretsch Dynasonic pickups. Gretsch? They're DeArmonds. Yeah, yeah. Made by DeArmon, but Gretsch had been using them. By this point, even Gretsch had stopped using them. They were seen as kind of an older design and newer things were coming to the fore. Okay. So people were like, man, you didn't even put good pickups in there. Us, slacker style? Love it. We like them. I think they look cool. I think they sound cool. When I saw it, the big plates on that Martin body. Yeah. My first thought was, I bet this thing does not sound great acoustically. This thing's a 59, so yeah. it probably has opened up a lot since then. But yeah, that concern that people had is the first thing I thought. I'm just going to stand up and put this thing in front of the mic acoustically. Yep. Wow, that sounds great. It's a little muted because of those damn flat wounds. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was going to be a good idea. A guy who thinks like, hey, pickups over the top of my acoustics is probably like, yeah, eh, I'll throw some flat wounds on it too. 
let's see what we got here. Okay. I'm in the neck, tone all the way up. Now let's turn down the tone. Eh. Let's go to the bridge, and I'll turn down the tone likewise. Now I'll go completely trebulacious. Yeah, do it. You never go out of that. That sounds awesome. If we go back to the middle, yep. put a little treble into the neck. This sounds great, too. It, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. I love it. 1959. There's a lot going on in the world in 59. Ike. We've got Eisenhower oh. sitting in the White House. Doing what? You know, Republican shit. Overthrowing third world countries, supporting democracy, a.k.a. destroying democracy. Thinking about the Russians a lot, probably. Oh my god. I don't know why, but the first thing that pops into my head in 59, yeah. I'm reading Don DeLillo, Libra, right now, <sighs> which is the Kennedy assassination novel. Yeah. And 59 was when Oswald defected to Russia. So all this space oh. shit is going on. U-2 spy plane gets shot down. Oswald goes to Russia. What was he doing over there? Speaking Russian that he learned Whoa. himself, supposedly. He just decided to take up speaking Russian as an American in the military, working on radar installations, supporting U-2 spy planes in Japan. So dude is working on the most top secret shit and somehow he just goes like, yeah, I think I'm going to learn Russian and defect. And the U.S. military is just like, oh, yeah, cool. I don't know, man. I'm not a kook. I'm no Oliver Stone. I don't know what's going on. Late 50s in America just feels bonkers to me. So much change. So much post-war money. Yeah. I guess I just want to see rockets. So when they introduced this, Ed... The D-28E yeah. is part of the Electric Series in 1959. There were two others. Electric Series from Martin. From Martin. Okay. Yeah. The smallest size was a 0018E, much smaller yeah, yeah, than yeah. a Dreadnought. Right. The next one up was the D-18. Okay. Yeah. Dreadnought, but- Less appointments. Yeah. And then, of course, the D-28E. The D-28E has the distinction, though, among those three, of actually having Brazilian rosewood back in sides. It's pretty. For a guy who does not care about, like, wood and color and stuff, at least on an acoustic, that thing looks pretty amazing. It looks pretty good. Yeah. Well, so now I ask you, Ed. Yes. In 1959. Yes. I would like to know from you how much you thought this thing oh, went for when it was introduced. Man. And... I believe we should give our viewers a couple of seconds to contemplate yes. and match wits with Ed Peterson. Get your number. Get your number in your head. We'll give you a couple of seconds. See if you can beat Ed. Oh, I think they're going to be able to. This one feels bad. Before I had this, it belonged to my sister. It used to be dad's, but he never took interest. Before it was his, it was paid for on time By his father who left it, and now it is mine 
you come up with the number of viewers? You're confident you can beat Ed Peterson? This guitar in 1959. Yes. $519. You know, you're kind of in the neighborhood. But if we're going strictly numerically, maybe you're not. Yeah. $390. I'm like 25% off the number. Yeah. That's not great. So people could have for sure, Price is Right style, come in at 500 bucks and blown me out of the water. Yeah, they could have taken it to Ed right there. Oh my God, he's used to it. Any guess as to what that is in today dollars? Give me your number again. What is it? 390 In Ike bucks. Oswald money. The problem is we don't do many acoustics, so I don't know if that $2,000 thing necessarily applies, but it was probably like $1,780. In today dollars? Yeah. Now, today dollars, that's $3,725. Holy shit. Oh my or God. Or if you're keeping track at home, yeah. roughly 1,560 rubles. <laughs> Did you look that up? Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> Man, that's expensive. So the D28E is 390 in 59. What did a D28 like non-electric cost? That was 285 $1959. A third more to put the pickups in. Joe Public is like, oh, this guitar is $4,000 or I can buy the non-electric version for roughly like Twenty eight hundred three grand yeah. or something. That's a pretty hard sales pitch, I imagine. Yeah, and I think the American public didn't really go for it. And all the people that were playing the D28s, the straight ones, the country yeah. guys, the folk guys, the right. singer-songwriter guys, their general reaction was, why'd you guys do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Looking at it from today, I love it. Trying to put my brain in 1959, you know, greatest generation dude yeah like no thanks also oh my god amps back then and actually trying to play this thing at any kind of volume out of the amp i bet it just fucking screamed yeah i'll bet it squealed god damn i want to play that through a marshall you know that would be crazy that would be pretty funny yeah <laughs> so yeah they discontinued it in 1964 the amounts that they made, I think, tell the story. This one, the D28, they only ever made 238 of them. This guitar cost $4,000, yeah. right? Like, in the day, I'm going to drop four grand on a guitar. It looks like they took a D28 pickguard and just straight up notched a 90-degree angle out of the pickguard. They didn't even form it to the pickup shape. They easily could have aesthetically rounded that. It literally looks like someone took a pair of tin snips and just cut the pick guard. Yeah. Same at the front by the neck. It just is cut to a flat end. I think maybe their hearts were not in it. I think they saw that it was kind of going this way. Maybe they didn't really want to do it, but felt like they had to. My eyes are on that cut and I am honestly kind of blown away. 
Yeah. They just thought, fuck it. We're just going to cut this. Us, in the today times, we can think any of this is kind of quaint and cool and ironic and whatever. But back then, when you're trying to sell to the American public, it's like, isn't that a detail you want to pay attention to? That is gross. Quality (laughs) control, Ed, back then, there is no way I would have said this is okay. I don't even think that's quality control. That's just flat out design negligence. It's just going to have to fit there and figure it out. Yeah. Exacto knife, Nate. Fuck. Hit me with the bridge, just because I love it. Now, give me some reverb. Man, that's cool. Ed is dialing a little more dirt. give you the whole like oh no thanks right but then you hear that and i think that would blow people away if you are up there and you are playing an acoustic folk set and then you decide like watch this and then that sound comes out of that guitar people's heads would explode and they would hate you for it we have precedence for this yeah bob dylan's first electric concert yeah he played at the newport folk festival right right they were screaming out of the audience at him judas that's so wild yeah This thing is even more rare than the production numbers suggest because what people ended up doing with these is replacing the tops. Oh, no. Because they're like, hey, wait a minute. This is Brazilian rosewood back and sides. You can't just throw that away. You put a nice top on this. And now you've got a D28. They probably just sent a bunch back to the factory. and The most skilled luthiers can do it. They can take the top off and put something else on it. I cannot imagine doing that with a $4,000 guitar. People did do it. And who knows when they did it? 60s, 70s, 80s? I don't know. But the whole time, through their manufacturer and then into the aftertimes, these were not really regarded as anything too special so i'm sure some people were like fuck i don't care i want two things you know what i want what i want a martin d28e uh-huh that guitar the guitar you're holding yeah and then i want a martin d28e and it's got the new top on it but you can still tell that the plug is there i want one of those guitars that was turned into a d28 that would be pretty cool yeah you could actually look at it and go like oh this top was replaced what's up with that and then you realize like it was one of those e's they only made 238 of these between 1959 and 1964 how many of those were converted how many does that mean are even left? Yeah. But I will tell you what the high water mark for the electric series was. Okay. Can you guess? What do you mean? The most high profile. Oh, that played one of these? Yeah. Probably about as high profile as you can get. Elvis? Did Elvis? No. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever watch the MTV Unplugged concert with Nirvana? Yeah. That's what Kurt was playing. Is it really? It is. His was not the D28. His was the D18. Our man, Ernie Bailey, fixed it up with the nut and the bridge so it could be played lefty. 
Yeah. And so you essentially see pictures. Oh, because of... it's upside down, yeah. right? Yeah. Did that one have the two pickups? It did. Okay. Yeah. Wild. He played it for the whole concert. Why did I not know that? So yeah, yeah. viewers, look on the interwebs for MTV Unplugged. Yeah. There's no end of pictures. It was the last acoustic he played because it was about five months after the MTV Unplugged yeah. that you know it was all over. R.I.P. R.I.P. And that album's considered still to be among the top live recordings of all time. Yeah, it's so good. Okay, and these on Reverb, these are not cheap. His, that one, just sold at auction last year, 2020. Guess how much? $2.5 million. It set a Guinness World Record. Six. Holy shit. Yeah. Six million dollars. Do we know who bought it? No. Yes, we do. Oh, we do. The CEO of Rode Microphones. Okay. At least the guy is in the music industry and clearly cares about music. And it's not Elon Musk or fucking Balmer or some dude that just wants it to put on his wall and show people. Yeah. I'm sure there's some of that with Rode dude, but I feel better, I guess. Yeah. Oh, no. What? Francis Bean Uh gave her longtime boyfriend, Isaiah Silva, that guitar. The D-18E. And Courtney Love didn't even know about it, and he sold it for $6 million. Oh, he sold it? Yes. Ex-boyfriend? She filed for divorce. They were married. They were married. Court battle over spousal support and that guitar. But I guess she lost, huh? Yeah, Frances Bean Cobain loses her father's guitar in divorce settlement. Six million dollars. <laughs> you gotta try it. Try and decide. Is it hello or goodbye? Goodbye or deny? Buy or deny? Buy. Buy. Yeah, oh yeah. You would buy this. I love it. What if right now... Yeah. Somebody was like, hey, man, this thing's available. You could have this. I love it, but whatever it is, it is out of my price range. I agree. But if we're talking about not me, but general dude who might be able to afford one, yeah, you should probably do it. Yeah. So viewers, look at all the pictures. We may even put up more than normal. Yeah, I think uh, we should. Just so you can appreciate it. Yeah. This needs some detail shots out there. You know, top of my head, we're up in the 200 range of episodes. This guitar, it's probably in my top 10 of things we've ever done on this show. And that's it for that. So everybody should go to Instagram and look at the pictures we're going to put up here. We are at the high gain. We hope for the best in all of your relationships. But if you have a $6 million guitar, make sure you have a pretty lock-solid prenup. Or... Be willing to just let it go. When you give a gift to someone and yeah. then later you decide, well, this isn't the person, you can't take it back, right? Yeah. So, like, you handed someone a $6 million bill. There you go. Yeah. Prenups. I guess that's what they're for. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, then go to thehighgain.com. Sure. After you do that. After you talk to your lawyer. Yeah, and then come look at the pictures. Yep. And then I think everything will be okay. Everything's going to be great. Yes. Cool. Okay, Ed. Thanks, John. Thank you, Ed. Bye. Bye now.